You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, yeah. Happy Thursday, Acadiana. Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your man, Matt Miguez. Big show today. Got a lot of fun. Uh, I'm pulling, I'm going to be Jordy Holtberg esque. Got four guests lined up for you today. One of them going to be in studio. Talk about Hope Fest this weekend in Muncus Park, hosted by St. Thomas More. I've also got two legendary Sunbelt radio voices to get you set up for the Cajuns and the Eagles of Georgia Southern this weekend. And Leah Van will join us later to preview LSU and Auburn. James Mesh, the producer extraordinaire slash co-host with the most. Go ahead and bring him in now. James, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? What's up, Matt? How are you? The The hair is looking a little off today. Yeah, it's. I'm, I'm not worried about it at this point. <laughs> Poll question of the day, and this is this is sprung from James and I's argument yesterday. Favorite sitcom of all time? Is it Big Bang Theory? Is it Friends? Is it The Office? Is it How I Met Your Mother? Saved by the Bell? If it's any, if it's Big Bang Theory, Friends, or The Office, and then the fourth option is other and you can place a comment on our twitter page i'm a i'm a big bang theory guy myself uh for nerdy scientists is just it's just funny to me the the dry humor and the and the jokes in it are are some of the classics of of all time so definitely my favorite james what's your favorite sitcom out of these three i definitely gotta go to the office the office yeah, yeah. you see my dad and my brother love it, but it's one of those shows that I could just never get into. I, I know it's a classic, and I know that it's a it's a well liked show, but like I got like halfway through season one, and I was just like, I'm over this. It's not even funny. But I'm I'm gonna tell you right now, I haven't watched like the full thing. Like anytime I go to my friend's house, because they're huge, huge Office fans, so yeah. they usually have it on. So that's when I watch it. But I also follow a couple of counts. On Instagram, and uh, I just see a bunch of clips from there, so that also helps. Yeah. So once again, big show for you today. Louisiana softball finally getting that elusive top twenty-five win, defeating Texas last night by the score of. I lost the score. Hold on. Six to five. Six to five. Texas, th- this game was very entertaining. Texas opened with a 4 nothing lead in the second, and Louisiana was quick to answer with four in the top half of the third, led by a three-run home run from Jordan Campbell. Megan Shoreman would come in in the bottom of the third in relief of Sam Landry, and God, Shorman was dominant. 
last night. She was able to retire the side in the bottom of the third, and it was five consecutive scoreless innings for the Kentucky transfer to keep the Cajuns in the game. And then that stalemate was broken in the bottom of the eighth with Sophie Piscos' second double of the game to set the Cajuns up with two runners in scoring position. And then Melissa Mayu hit a single of the middle for the 6-4 lead. Texas would, would grab one in their half of the eighth to make it 6-5, but Shorman was quick to shut the door on Texas after that. So with the win, Louisiana improves to 21-8. and Once again, finally getting that elusive top 25 win that has escaped them really all season long because you, you had the first loss against Alabama out of Ed Girard Field, and then you went to the Youngsville Sports Complex for the Mardi Gras Mambo Tournament, and you lost to Bama again. And then you played LSU twice a couple weeks later at the beginning of March. You lose both of those. Then you played a doubleheader with Texas here in Lafayette. Lose both of those also. So that big statement win got away from Jerry Glasgow and his staff for a very long time. But last night, they this young group finally looked like a veteran ball club and found a way to get it done which was which was very impressive once again for a young group to be able to step up and and play the way that they did last night on the road in Austin they will continue their road trip this weekend going to San Marcos to play at Texas State Texas State is a really good sunbelt ball club They've always given the Cajuns, you know, trouble and they're on a roll this year. Looking at their schedule, they're 18 and 13, but they've played a tough stretch so far. They played Oregon, they played Houston, they played number 1 Oklahoma, Arizona State, Texas, Arizona, Ohio State, A&M, Baylor's always been good at softball. So they've they've run through the gauntlet a little bit, but they're riding a four-game winning streak, including a sweep of Coastal Carolina. So they should they should give the Cajuns some fits this year. Cat Krennic is their best hitter, 421, 24 base hits, two doubles, one triple, nine RBIs. Sarah Vanderford has been a thorn in the Cajun side for years now. She's batting 312 on the year. 29 hits, 21 runs, 6 doubles, 5 homers, 26 RBIs. James, she has a slugging percentage of 538. That's... And, and, And the crazy thing is, is that's not even the highest slugging percentage on the team. Samara Lagway, 545. And softball is a different game, you know. Their stats are going to be bigger than in baseball. Yeah, yeah it's a little more inflated. But I mean, the, the on base percentages. I mean, Sarah Vanderford, she's got an on base percentage of four twenty nine. Krennic's got an on base percentage of four ninety three. Dude, that I mean she's getting on base half the times that she walks up to the plate. That's nuts. That's 
absolutely insane. First game on Friday is at 6, Saturday at 2, and Sunday at noon. All three of them can be seen on ESPN+. Here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. And as always, we'll take your phone calls, 706 0111. If you want to talk LSU baseball, UL baseball, Cajun softball, the Final Four, really whatever. Uh, some big NFL news came out last night. And uh, James, I'd like to get your opinion on this. Bruce Arians announces that he is stepping away from the game of football. Now, there's some conspiracy theorists that, that think that his decision had something to do with Tom Brady returning. What do you think? Well, it's it's funny because if I'm not mistaken, the man did say after he had won the Super Bowl with the Bucks in 2020 mm-hmm. or 2021 when the Super Bowl actually happened. But he said that next year, which was this previous mm-hmm. season that just ended, would be his last in coaching. I remember hearing that post post Super Bowl post, in in the press conference out there after they had won. He said, "Next year I'm done." After that. So, I'm I'm not shocked. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised either. He was getting up there in age, and then also on top of that, now that he's won a Super Bowl, what else did he have to prove? Exactly. He had nothing. He had nothing else to give the game anymore. And it's not like he's like leaving the organization. He's going up into the front right. office. He's, he's, he's moving into a front office, and then, right. and they're just upgrading Todd Bowles, and they gave him a five year contract, a new one. What you think about Bobby Wagner to the Rams? Five years, fifty million, with the possibility of it being sixty-five. Yeah, it it felt inevitable because he had only been in Los Angeles. He hadn't gone to see any other teams, and then Richard Sherman had tweeted out, "Expect to hear some Bobby Wagner news soon," and he texted that late last night, and he put that on Twitter. So I was like, "Okay, well, I expect, and I expected something to happen today, and I'm not shocked at all that it's the Rams because where else did he go?" He was right. in Los Angeles the whole time. Right. And why wouldn't you want to go to... It's not like he was that, one of the Chargers. Yeah, it's... <laughs> exactly. But he... Like, why wouldn't you want to go to a rival? Right. Whenever they just kind of... We're like, we're done with you. <laughs> so, that makes... Yeah. And, and try to get to that Super Bowl like he had done in 2013. Looking at the poll question before we take timeout number one. What's your favorite sitcom of all time? Ralph Bergeron chimes in on Twitter. Parks and Rec. Ron Swanson quotes are classic. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Parks and Rec is a good one. Unfortunately for Twitter, I could only put three choices. And there's just too many good sitcoms in the world. You know, it is what it is. Timeout number one right here on Crunch Time with me, Gaz and Mesh. And when we return, River Gibson, the front man of the lovers, is going to join us to talk about Hope Fest this weekend at Moncus Park. Don't go anywhere. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
FanDuel Sportsbook NBA Same Game Parlays give you the chances to turn a little bet into a really big payday. Choose any NBA game and combine multiple bets like the amount of three-pointers made, who the leading score will be, and more into one wager for bigger wins. A parlay tonight is Bucks versus Nets theme. KD and Giannis need 30 plus points each, while Kyrie and KD need to make at least three threes for themselves. Make the rest of the season feel like the playoffs when you bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. The winnings get paid fast. It's top rated, easy to use, safe and secure. Plus, if you're a new customer, you can bet $5, get $150 in site credit instantly guaranteed. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code KLWB to bet on the NBA today. That's promo code KLWB exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You must be 21 or older and present in Louisiana permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, bonus issue as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Thank you, James. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles. Hope Fest is this weekend over at Moncus Park, hosted by STM. A jam-packed music lineup. And we are fortunate enough to be joined by the front man of one of the groups performing this weekend, Mr. River Gibson. River, good afternoon, my man. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, man. How are you? Thank you oh, for having dude, me, man. It's a, it's a beautiful day in Louisiana. Man, it sure is. After the weather we had yesterday, it's nice to have... A full day of sunshine. It is, and it was the perfect temperature outside. Too. Yeah, it really perfect is perfect temperature. So let, let's go ahead and dive into it, man. Let, let's start from yeah. the early stages. What made you want to get into music, man? Actually, uh, you know, some people have a, you know, some people grew up on, in music. Their uh, maybe their family played music, but uh, actually, I was over at a friend's house. And I was, I think, I was about eleven years old or so, and uh, we were watching the uh, VH1. Uh, oh yeah, top. You know, those oh, like, yeah. music video countdown shows. And, uh, well, sure enough, they had this song I, and I'm not into music at all. Like I don't care, you know, but, uh, yeah, this song started playing and it was green days, uh, Boulevard of broken dreams. Oh, and something about that song. I don't know what it was, but no. it was inspiring. And I went home and I told my mom, I said, I need, I want to play guitar. Right, right. <laughs> and, and sure enough, it was, it's, it's been all, uh, all music from there for me. So that's awesome. And, you know, it, it took you somewhere in 2015. Mm-hmm. You got to go audition for American Idol, and and you ended up making it to Hollywood. Right. What was what was that experience like? Uh, it was a huge learning experience. Huge learning experience. Uh, you know, but it was it, it's my favorite part of the whole thing was that to be involved with so many people who were doing the exact same thing as me with right. huge aspirations who are all extraordinarily talented. Um, I didn't care so much about the. Uh, you know, it's it's it is reality TV at the end of the day, yeah. and it's you know it doesn't really matter per se how talented some folks are, uh, and that's just part of the you know that side of the business. But uh, you know, overall, I I enjoyed my experience, but I probably wouldn't do it again. And right. I don't know if I would uh, suggest that people do it, but it, you know, if you want to, it's worth a shot. <laughs> Chatting with River Gibson of the band Lovers. Let's let's dive into Lovers now. What mm-hmm. mean what? How did you get this band together? Where does the name come from? You know, walk us through that. Sure. We uh, we actually started the band Lovers on uh, Valentine's Day of 2018. So that's fitting. But, uh, you know, it's it, after I did Idol, I kind of took a break from music, kind of took a step back and uh, reevaluated and maybe thought about maybe trying something else. Right. Uh, but 
there I was. I was just drawn back to it, and I kept writing music all the, all the while. So I knew that I wanted to come back and, and do music the right way with with a good band and with a, the right vision. And so here we are. Yeah. And it's just been a we've been grinding ever since. Yeah, man. I, I was I was listening to some of y'all's music this afternoon, mm-hmm. and I I love it. That's great awesome. stuff. Thank it's you. Great man. stuff. Thank you. Um, I, and I was one thing I noticed about y'all's y'all's website, looking at the different songs and whatnot. Y'all haven't released an album. No, no, we sure haven't. It's all singles. Why? Well, it's just because you know when you put up one song out at a time, it just it gives a lot more attention to that one song, yep. as opposed to spending all your time writing twelve songs, putting them out, and well, maybe people only actually listen to one or two. Right. So it just it gives a lot of attention and, and focus on each song. Plus, we do uh, almost every song we have a music video out. Like we shoot our own videos. Uh, we learn how to do all that from scratch and. Um, and taught ourselves that whole that's got a ballpark which it, it's fun man but i have a mad respect for for filmmakers and right, stuff that right. that is hard man it's hard work but a lot of fun what's and your what's the what's your favorite song that you've ever written my favorite wow uh well i guess that we've released uh probably iconic is one of my favorites yeah. just because that's just everybody's jam you know and when we play live that's the we end on that song and everybody's instead of saying free bird at our shows everybody's saying iconic you know so uh but yeah we have a lot of songs that we haven't put out yet that i'd say are my favorite so look looking again at y'all's spotify playlist i noticed that y'all did a live recording of neon moon Mm -hmm. you did what what was the reasoning for that well you know I, i grew up on 70s rock and 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 that era country 90s era country uh just because of my parents and right. so that has a you know special place in my heart you know i like music like the eagles and bob seeger some of my favorite music but uh i always had a special connection to that neon moon song so you know we are a rock pop band but you know who cares right we can right. do whatever we want to do so right, no doubt. i said let's go and record this this country song and sure enough we did and we, we cut it live we did it in two takes what you hear is is exactly what happened on the second take and uh yeah it was that was a lot of fun man and and uh kind of unexpected i think now talk to me about hope fest yes you know how did how did this come about how did you guys get involved you know yeah uh stm puts on hope fest every year which maybe they haven't due to covid in the last couple of years but um they've been doing it now i think it's the 15th year Okay. And the junior class uh, puts the whole thing on, uh, like, you know, I guess it's like a learning thing. And they, they book the bands. They, they get everything together at the festival, which is it's a lot of work. But uh, we're fortunate enough to have been asked to play. Uh, we did it once. A few years ago, I was playing as just River Gibson after mm-hmm. American Idol. And we did it uh, at that time. And so they asked us to come back. So it's, awesome. it's pretty special. So thanks to Lance Strother and STM for having us. Now, he... I, I got to ask this. Mm. You're playing at an event hosted by STM, mm-hmm. and you're a turling scrap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's you know it's all love. You, 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 all you, love. you crossing lines at that point, <laughs> man. Yeah, the uh, well, I'm not gonna get too not gonna get too deep into that. No. no. <laughs> so, what, what's in what's in the future for the band? Oh man, the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. Actually, we play Hope Fest. And then uh, two hours later, we're opening for Better Than Ezra in Baton Rouge. Oh, no way. So <laughs> we're, uh, yeah, we're having a, uh, we're playing a lot, man. Playing a lot, and we're loving every minute of it. 
Now, if people want to follow y'all or listen to your music, how do, how do they get involved? How do they do that? Sure, it's uh, lovers, but it's spelled funny. That's the uh, that's the trick. You have to be able to spell it. It's, right. <laughs> right. it's L V V R S. So it's uh, if you go to lovers.com, that's L V V R S dot com. You'll find all of our music videos and uh, everything you want to know. Our tour dates and so why why y'all spell it that way? Well, you know, uh, that's I get that question quite a bit, but. At the time when, I, when we came up with the name, it was more about just trying to come up with something simple, but doing it in a way that stands out. Right, right. And uh, there was a lot of bands at the time like uh, that were kind of spelling their name funny like that. And, and like Anderson Pack is a huge artist that spells his name odd. So we just thought it would be kind of a, a different move yeah. to do that. And it, it's worked out so far. If you could spell it right, you'll find it. Right, right. <laughs> so looking at the, the lineup for... Hope Fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is at Moncus Park this year. It is. Which it's usually at Park International. Right. Correct. Right. Yeah. And it, but uh, Moncus Park just opened uh, right. very recently. And I don't know if, if uh, the, the listeners have been, but it's absolutely beautiful. It's a it's an awesome place. And this is actually the first live event, live music event to happen there. Interesting. So since it's been open. So uh, very cool. And it's it's completely family friendly and, and free. So good for kids, good for grandparents, good for great grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> it's from it's from eleven to nine. Admission is free to the public. Uh, the music lineup is gonna be high performance from eleven to two, Layla from two twenty to two fifty five, wild card from three fifteen to four, four twenty to four fifty will be Orion Grace, five fifteen to six fifteen will be School of Rock, Lovers will be on from six forty to seven forty five, and then from eight ten to nine. Mackenzie Borg, who mm-hmm. like you, had some had had a time on American Idol. He had a, a good run. Why? So I, I guess I kind of asked this question again, but I want to dive deeper into it. Mm-hmm. Why is it important for you guys to be involved in events like this? Well, it's it. it I mean, it's it's special, man. I mean, uh, what they're doing is it, it, it's a free festival, but they run on donations, and everything is for for charities and it's for kids, especially kids in need. And what they do is they provide these, these uh, young kids with an education who otherwise wouldn't be able to have it. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's giving back. Right. You know, so it, it means a lot to us to be able to be involved in something like this. That's fantastic. River Gibson, the front man of lovers river. I appreciate you taking the time, man, man. Thank you so much uh, for having me. It's been fun. And uh, y'all have a hell of a time this weekend. Yes. Hope to see y'all out there. Thank you very much. We'll take a time out, and when we come back, the voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker, will join us to preview this weekend's matchup between the Cajuns and the Eagles of Georgia Southern at Russo Park. Don't go anywhere. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Do you want to see some of the most elite dunkers and exceptional ball handlers on the planet? The world-famous Harlem Globetrotters are returning to the Cajun Dome on Tuesday, April 5th, and you can see them live. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving away a family four-pack of tickets to the show. How do you win exactly? Simply text Trotter to 68683. That's T-R-O-T-T-E-R to see the Harlem Globetrotters. Once again, text Trotter to 68683 to win that family four-pack of tickets. You can only see them live courtesy of the game. 
1037 Lafayette, and 1041 Lake Charles. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. Cajun softball, like we mentioned on the t- at the top of the hour, getting that elusive top 25 win over Texas last night. Now let's go to the other diamond. Let's go to baseball. The Cajuns' baseball team, winners of three of their last four, including two out of three over South Alabama and sweeping southeastern Louisiana. Now they turn their attention back to the Sun Belt and they turn it to Georgia Southern. The Eagles, top 20 in the RPI in the country as it stands right now, made it to the Sun Belt title game last year. They're looking to build off of that this year in 2022. Joining us to preview it all is the longtime voice of the Cajuns, Mr. Jay Walker. Jay Bird, good afternoon, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine. You know, when you go to see the Globetrotters, it's a lot of laughs, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, if everybody wants a laugh, come out to the Cajun Dome. Watch me try to dunk a basketball. Oh, I would, I would pay top dollar to see that. Well, and I would, and I would take your money. Uh, no, everything's good. Good. How are you? Oh man, Jay, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. The Cajuns are are doing well in, in in all sports right now, and I'm just soaking it all up. Yeah, I, you know that was a really nice win for softball, especially after falling behind four to nothing early, and um, and to have uh, you know Megan come in and just do what she does when she comes in out of the pen and and uh, shut the other team down, and give her team a chance to come back and win, and they were able to do that. That was big. Yeah, no, it, it was huge. You know, like you mentioned, being down four nothing in the second, they were able to to even it back up, and then five scoreless innings from Shorman. Who has been yeah, who, who has been very up and down this season? So for her to come in and, and consistently, you know, shut the door on, on Texas was huge. But uh, looking looking at baseball, you know, three game series against Georgia Southern this weekend, six o'clock on Friday, four o'clock on Saturday, and then eleven thirty a.m. on Sunday. Different start times than than Cajun fans are used to for for Saturday and Sunday. What from a from a broadcast standpoint, what do you think about that? Oh, I don't care. Tell me, tell, tell me when I got to be there, and I'll be there. Um, you know, they April is when they've always changed the Saturday start time. Um, it, back um, back in Robes Day, they would move after um, after April first. They move Saturday to six o'clock. Um, they decided now to move it to four, which is what they've done the last couple of years. And you got the early start time because we got to take care of Georgia Southern's flight plans. I'm sure that game's going to have a curfew, um, but that's why we're playing early on Sunday. Looking at Georgia Southern, Jay, 17-8 and eight on the year. They've got wins over Georgia Tech. They've got a win over Georgia. And then, you know, they started off Sunbelt 2 out of 3 over App, sweeping Arkansas State, and now they're, they're coming off of a loss to Georgia at Georgia to come to Russo Park. What does this team do well that the, the Cajuns should be concerned with? Oh, they can swing it. They can really swing the bat. Um, they got a they got a power guy in the middle of the lineup, Noah Ledford, um, who's a, a, a preseason All Conference guy. Uh, they got they've got guys like Christian Avant, and Jason Swan, who have been with the team for a while. So they're a veteran team in a lot of areas. Um, their their Friday night guy's pretty salty. Um, their Saturday guy's got really good numbers, but he hasn't 
pitched a lot, and then they've kind of been looking for their Sunday guy. Um, so I don't, I don't think they've been quite as strong on the mound. But uh, this is a team that plays very good defense, and a team that they got six three hundred hitters in the lineup, and uh, and they score runs. And so Cajuns are going to have to pitch well this weekend. Um, and you know Georgia Southern, they've kind of had the Cajuns number. I mean, they've won I think the last six games between the two teams, and four of them have been in the Sun Belt Conference tournament. So um, I, this is a series that the, the Cajuns have circled. I'm sure. Because after this weekend, Matt, I think is about the time you start paying attention to the RPI. Because after April the 1st, the, the, cross, the crossing between conferences with your opponents' opponents, that kind of starts to settle down a little bit. So after this weekend, you start paying attention to RPI. Well, as of today... The Cajuns had, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, the Sun Belt had six teams in the top 50. Now, the top 50 are considered to be quad one games. And the Cajuns uh, are going to play three games against quad one this weekend with Georgia Southern. They're going to have quad ones when they go to Texas State. And they've still got two with Louisiana Tech and one with LSU. So they've got nine quad one games left on their schedule this year. The Cajuns already are playing, according to Warren Nolan, one of the top ten schedules in America. And that's going to hold. So you've got an opportunity with those nine games to really make a statement to the selection committee. The Cajuns are going to wind up having, oh, I don't know, 16 or 18 quad one games on their schedule this year. That's a salty schedule, but you have to win your share of them. So this is a big series for that reason because you're playing a team that's got a quad one RPI. Yeah, no no question about it. Jay, you know, I was talking to Kevin Foote yesterday, and he told me that— I'm sorry. <laughs> so anyways, we are talking to Kevin Foote yesterday, and he told me that coming into this series with the schedule that the Cajuns have played already— being a little bit above or around 500 seemed to be the goal or seemed to be, you know, the the mindset of you know, us on the outside, right? Would would you would you agree with that? Is is are the Cajuns in a good spot right now? Yeah, I think they are because you know, they're sitting there at 12 and 12 and their their RPI is 48 today. So, you're in really good shape. Now, you have to do two things. You have to get some wins. And you also have an opportunity with the schedule you have left to get yourself some road wins. Now, road wins count more in the RPI than home wins do. So you've got three at Arkansas State next weekend. You're going to have three at Georgia Southern, uh, uh, Georgia State, I'm sorry, three at App State. Now, those are series that you can go on the road and win. And so even though those teams don't have a great RPI, because they are road wins, they're going to count a lot. So I think they're in really good shape right now. Now they have to win their share of games, and they need to win their share of quad one games. But I do think that they're in a good position right now. Chatting with Jay Walker, the voice of the Raging Cajuns. Jay, outside of this Georgia Southern series, because that's that's obviously one of the tougher ones that they'll play the rest of the way, looking at the schedule, who who concerns you for matchup-wise with the Cajuns? 
Well, you know, I, look, Texas State's really good uh, because they really pitch well. Um, and they've got some guys who can swing. Dalton Sheffield has been, you know, with the team like it seems like about six years. And, um, and they've got a, a couple of other guys who are veterans, and, and they hit the long ball. But they really, really pitch well, and they probably got the best back-end guy in the league and, uh, and Justin Stivers. They're going to be they're going to be a tough team to beat in San Marcos. Um, you know, you've got two at Louisiana Tech next week. Those are those are games that won't be easy to win uh, because they're on the road against good clubs. You know, when you look at at what's left as far as the conference schedule is concerned, well, you'll have Troy and South Alabama and Georgia Southern out of the way after this weekend. So you still have that series with Texas State. You've got a series with a much improved ULM team um, Easter weekend. Those seem to be the tougher games between now and the end of the season. Now, you also have, as I mentioned, Georgia State, App State, Arkansas State. Those teams aren't great, but you're on the road. And winning on the road takes more than winning at home does. I mean, it's just a fact of life. So, you know, I, I don't think that you look at this where every game is Armageddon because it's not. I mean, you still have, you'll be right at the halfway point of the season by the end of the weekend. So you've got a lot of baseball to play. And guess what? You're not going to go undefeated the rest of the year. Um, but, you you know, your goal is to win the three-game series on the weekend if you can and then um, and steal as many games as you can on the road. Um all of them are all of them are important games, but losing a few uh, isn't going to mean the end of the world. And and I say that knowing that you know a lot of a lot of your fan base they um, they look at baseball with a football mentality, and and every time you lose a game, it's the end of the world. And it's not. You're going to lose some more games. As Tony used to say, you're going to win a third and lose a third, and what you do with the other third is what's going to make your break. I think the, the Cajuns are in good shape. I think the schedule bodes well for them. There are opportunity games, and then there are games you should win. That's a good combination. Yeah, no, no question. i got two more questions for you, Jay, and then I'll let you run. Our poll question of the day today is, what is your favorite sitcom of all time? My favorite sitcom of all time. I have to tell you, I've never been a really big sitcom guy. But I'm going to say my favorite sitcom of all time is All in the Family. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's an old one, but a good one. And, and, and I think the reason for that is I, I think I saw a lot of my dad in Archie Bunker. Oh, yeah. I could see that. I could see that. And then, you know, my my last question is not really a question. It's actually more of a comment. Um, when I posted my social media post explaining what was going to happen on the show today, I got a text message from the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, Danny Reed, who is going to join me at five o'clock. And I'm sorry. And he he texted me going, "Why didn't you tell me I was following a legend?" Well, you know, Danny is. Um, you know, we all we're all friends in the in the broadcasting brotherhood in the Sun Belt Conference. But Danny, but Danny's special. No, he is. I mean. He, of course, Colin Lacey, his broadcast partner, is in with him this weekend. We've developed a really, really good friendship. We harass each other all the time. If you want to, you can ask him to do his impression of me. He'll probably be happy to do it for you. Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait. 
the voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker. Jay, appreciate you taking the time out of your busy Thursday. And uh, I'll see you at the Teague this weekend, my man. I look forward to it. Thanks so much for having me. The Jay Bird. We'll take a time out. And when we come back, we'll talk some March Madness. And for the first time in today's show, we'll open up the phone lines. 706-0111 on the game hotline. This is Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Hangout Music Festival is returning this summer to Gulf Shores in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest featuring Post Malone, Halsey, and Megan Thee Stallion, just to name a few. That's the Hangout Music Fest, May 20th to 22nd in Gulf Shores. Win VIP passes from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Thanks, James. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. Let's talk some March Madness now. We're down to the final four. Villanova and Kansas. Duke and Carolina. It is a blue blood final four, quite literally. Matchup number one will be Villanova and Kansas, and they will tip off Saturday from the Caesars Superdome at 5 o'clock. And this week at Media Availability, Jay Wright, the head coach of the Villanova Wildcats, was asked about one of his top players in Colin Gillespie. Gillespie has been a mainstay for Villanova over the last couple years. So far this season, averaging 15.6 points per game, four boards, about three assists. But he's been battling with some injuries. He's been in and out of the lineup because of his injuries, and he has finally gotten consistently healthy just in time for the Final Four. So here's Jay Wright on Colin Gillespie. Yeah, we're going to definitely need him You know, as an extra ball handler. I just felt like all year Justin was undervalued outside of our program, and, and he didn't care because he was playing. <laughs> we, but now that he's out, I feel so bad for him. He, you know, he would run the point, and we'd play Colin off the ball, and – and he'd run the point a lot of games. He'd play the point most of the game. But that's what Arch gives us. It gives us the ability to get Colin off the ball. And Colin's really good off the ball, too. So that's, you know, that's what he can do for. And he's a great shooter. I mean, he just doesn't get it's it's hard to be a great shooter when you come in for like a minute and 10 seconds at a time, you know, and then out, in, out. You know, when you're on the floor longer, it can help. So uh he's tough and physical defensively. He's a great shooter, and he can play point guard, which gets Colin break off the ball. On the other side of that matchup is the Kansas Jayhawks, led by Bill Self. Now, Bill Self has been the head coach of the University of Kentucky since he was since 2003. In his 19 seasons, he has led the Jayhawks to 16 Big 12 regular season titles. And he's also led the Jayhawks to five, four Final Four appearances, including this season. One-time national championship, and he was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2017. A guy that he brought in this past offseason is a guy by the name of Remy Martin, 
who spent some time at Arizona State before coming to Kansas. He is a grad transfer into Kansas so far this season, averaging 8.6 points per game, three rebounds, two and a half assists. But away from the stat sheet, Remy Martin has been the catalyst for this Jayhawk offense. He has been the leader of this team. And so today, or earlier this week, I should say, at Final Four media availability, Bill Self talked about how he knew a run of this caliber was possible, especially with a guy like Grammy Martin. Jay Will, who's not here, and Mitch, I, I, I think that those three plus these four believed all along that this was, was possible if we did what we were supposed to do. I think one thing that has given us a little confidence is, I mean, we, we, had, a, we had a pretty good team this year. We you know, shared the league and then won the tournament. We kind of shared the league without having the opportunity to play Remy. And so I think Remy and his core always knew what he was capable to do to help us, but we haven't really seen it yet because he had, health hasn't allowed it. And I think that our guys have more of a swagger now knowing what Remy can do to make us better. Looking at the other matchup, Duke and North Carolina. I mean, need I say more? Tobacco Road with a spot in the national championship game on the line. This will be the 100th meeting between Duke and Carolina in Mike Krzyzewski's career. For the Tar Heels, head coach Hubert Davis, in his first year, he spent... 12 years in the NBA playing for the Knicks, Raptors, Mavericks, Wizards, Pistons, and Nets. And in 2012, he became an assistant coach under Roy Williams, and he's been in that position until now being the head coach of the Tar Heels. So he's been around the program's success. He, he's seen it. You know, they, they went to the NCAA tournament in 17. They've been to two Final Fours. So he's, he's been around, right? They won the national championship in 2017. He knows what it's like to win a national championship. However, it's different when you're a head coach. Here's Hubert Davis. It was really emotional towards the end of the game when we can finally settle in and realize that, you know, these guys are going to a Final Four. It was something that I just I just desperately wanted for them. You know, this is probably the nervous, most nervous that I was before the game because I just – I really wanted them to go to the Final Four. And it's something that we had talked about at the beginning of the season. And in the huddle, I, I told them that it's, it's, it's not a hope, it's not a dream anymore, it's a reality. And for these guys to have this, this experience to be able to go to the Final Four brings so much joy to my heart. And on the other side of that matchup, the legendary Mike Krzyzewski with his career on the line. Here he is on the historic matchup versus Carolina. I haven't looked at it as us against Carolina. I've looked at us, we're playing in the Final Four. So the history of that, I've, I've not paid any attention to. But in answer to your question, I'll pay attention to it right now. Usually we've been high seeds if we're in. And if you're in a high seed, they've tried to put you know, conference teams in where you wouldn't meet until the end. And so the closest we came was in 91, really, where we were both in the Final Four, and Kansas and Carolina played the game before we played Vegas, or else we would have, either we both were going to be eliminated, one, or you, know, you had a chance to play for 
uh, the national championship. So that was the close, you know, then it would have been for the, for everything. That would have been something. But, uh, but yeah, I guess it just works out that way. And we won't, we won't have time to play the clip, but Coach K also talked about, you know, the lessons that they have learned from their previous matchup with UNC, which was the regular season finale and Shashevsky's last home game at Cameron Indoor, and it was ugly. What was it? I think it was a 19-point defeat for for Duke. Uh, 94-81 on March 5th. Uh, so definitely lessons to be learned. They will look to do so in the Caesars Superdome Saturday night with the National Championship game on Monday. Hour number one is in the books. When we return, Danny Reed, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, will join us to give his take on this weekend's matchup. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What's up, Acadiana? Hour number two of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles. We spoke with Jay Walker to get the Louisiana side of this big time Sunbelt matchup this weekend at the Teague. Let's go to the other side. Let's go behind enemy lines and look at the Eagles of Georgia Southern. And to do that is Georgia Southern's director of broadcasting slash the voice of the Eagles, Mr. Danny Reed. Danny, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, but I'm feeling awful that i got to follow Jay because nobody can do that. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's really funny, actually, because I talked to Jay and when I told him that I was I was going to be interviewing you, he, his first response was, "I'm sorry." <laughs> that sounds like Jay. Which sounds like such a Jay Walker response. Uh, he also he also asked me if you could do. He also told me to ask you about your Jay Walker impression. Okay, you you really want me to do this? I really do. You, you know, you know, Georgia Southern. They're they're a team. Rodney Hennon has been there 20, 23 years, and that that's a good ball club now. I mean, they've been to the championship for the last five years, and, you know, the Cajuns, the Cajuns got them in 16, but they just keep finding a way to get back there, and eventually they're going to win one of those things. Give this man an Oscar. <laughs> that's phenomenal. That is, I, I thought I was interviewing Jay Walker again. That's incredible. Um. All right. Let, let's get serious, Danny. Let, let's <laughs> let's look at this Georgia Southern baseball team, seventeen and eight on the year. But, and you know, you got some big wins. You got to win over Georgia Tech. You got to win over Georgia. And besides that loss to Georgia Tuesday night, you you're winning. You're winners of four of your last five. What's what's the confidence level like with this ball club coming into Lafayette? I wasn't sure what to make of this team coming into the year when you take away the national leader in saves and Nick Jones and 
somebody that was the player of the year and an All-American and the Sunbelt Conference male student-athlete of the year makes him a quarter. You have so much of that team back, but you just didn't know how the parts were going to work. And then when you go to Tennessee and you lose 33-3 to in those three games in Knoxville, you're wondering, okay, is this team even going to be able to figure it out? Is this going to be a long year? But despite losing so much of what they did from last year, the lineup has really been stabilized. The bullpen has been very good getting Ty Fisher back on the weekend rotation after he took a line drive off his face against UCF a little more than a month ago. It just seems that everybody has figured out what their role is, and they've been able to execute consistently. Now, Tuesday was a little bit of an outlier. They went out great with runners in scoring position, but it's an older team, a bunch of fourth- and fifth-year guys in the lineup, guys that bunt, bunt, guys that hit, hit, guys that drive in runs, drive in runs, and it just seems that whatever needs to be done, this team figures it out. They're an unselfish team, and they uh, they are a team that battles from beginning to end. They've had four walk-off wins this year, and they just they don't believe they're ever out of a game, and it's been a really nice thing to watch. You know, you mentioned Nick Jones and Mason McWhorter, the two centerpieces of, of the Eagles last year. Now they're both gone. How did Rodney Hennon replace those pieces this year? Who stepped into those roles? Yeah, I don't know if you replace guys like that. I think you have to figure a way to just get it on the aggregate and figure a way to have a couple of guys find a way to make up those numbers somehow, or maybe you end up being a completely different team because it's tough to say, look, we're going to have somebody that hits 370 with 18 home runs and more than 50 RBIs. And granted, you got a Christian Avan back who was second in the league in hitting. Parker Beatty was fifth in the league in hitting. And then for Nick Jones, I don't know if you could expect somebody to save 17 games every year, but Jay Thompson has been so important to the pitching staff, the way that he has worked in middle relief, late relief. He's also saved those five games. He leads the team in innings pitch despite not having a start this year. Now, I say that he could very easily start a game when we would least expect it and probably find a way to go four or five innings, but he's done that by being second in the country in appearances. He's got a lower slot on the left side he's not going to throw all that hard maybe an 84 or an 85 but the ball moves so much it's tough to get a barrel to it offensively it's been an order that's been stabilized because jason swan has slid into the number two role christian avan has continued to thrive batting third noah ledford's top five in the league in rbis batting cleanup one of the pleasant surprises, I guess I should say two of the pleasant surprises, Noah Searcy is a fifth-year senior in left field, has finally got a chance to play every day. He's missed a couple of games due to some Knicks. But having him in the lineup most of the time, he's having by far his best season. And then Jarrett Brown, the third baseman, who leads the team in multi-hit games with 10 over the first 25, he's been able to do all of what he has done, batting better than 350 out of the number 8 spot. And when you can have somebody that does that well there, the automatic thought is, well, we got to move him up. we got to get him more at-bats, a two, three, or four, or whatever. But it's been something where you don't want to move him out of where he is because he has been so good. And at the same time, if he can do that from that spot, it just extends the top part of the order even more with as reliable as Parker Beatier has been defensively and finally starting to see that bat to come around a little bit too. Danny Reed, the voice of the Eagles, joins us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You talked about Christian Avant. You talked about Parker Beatier. Noah Ledford is a guy that sticks out to me. 310 batting average, 27 base hits, 8 doubles, 4 homers, 27 RBIs, slugging percentage of 540, and an on-base percentage of 406. He kind of seems to be the catalyst of this offense. Uh, what, what does he bring to, to Rodney Hennon's offense in Statesboro? 
you know, he's always been the guy that could hit the ball a mile. He's already got two double-digit home run seasons. He was a freshman All-American. He was second-team All-League last season. He didn't get a chance to play in 2020, the COVID season, because of injury. Somebody that you know what you're going to get from a power standpoint and the ability to drive in runs. What's helped him this year are two things. He's walking more than he ever has. He's about a month ahead of his walks pace from last year being able to take pitches that he would swing at his first couple of seasons, being able to drive the ball more successfully. He's getting on base more. It's helped him be more marketable because he has been able to hone that approach so well. And he's been one of Georgia Southern's best two-out hitters. Over half of his RBIs have come after two outs. seems that him and Jared Brown have been really good in that category. But his ability to not swing at pitches that would have struck him out the last few years and be able to drive in runs when they count the most, he is really taken he's always been the guy that's probably going to be a four or five hitter in your order but uh, there aren't many other options on this team that you would feel as good about putting in the number four position as Ledford just because he has been so good there looking at the the pitching staff you know Ty Fisher's got the lowest ERA looking at among starters it looks like Jalen Payton has the lowest ERA at 4.28 you know what and looking at Ty Fisher again, 15 strikeouts in 21 and two-thirds innings pitched. Who are some names in this rotation that Cajuns fans need to write down as you know somebody to look out for? Well, you just name one and two. Payton's going to pitch game one on Friday. He'll be followed by Thomas Higgins out of the bullpen. That's been a nice one-two to start series the last three weekends. And then Fisher, who was the opening night starter before he got hurt, he has really settled in as that number two guy and his two starts back from injury. He hasn't given up an earned run. And then game three has been a little bit up in the air. It's been some of Ben Johnson. It's been some of Danny Madden. Ben was fantastic out of the bullpen on Tuesday at Georgia, and it looks like that's where he's going to stay for a while. And with Danny, he's made some midweek starts. He's also pitched out of the bullpen a little bit, but I think that he's going to get the ball for game three. They don't expect five, six innings out of that last roll. It's more of a bullpen situation on Sunday, and really for the first part of the season was a lot of bullpenning, which is why Jay Thompson leads the team in innings pitched, and there's depth on the staff, which is why nobody has exceeded 30 innings. But it has been comforting to get that one-two stabilized with Ty coming back from injury and Jalen having been a midweek guy for four starts last year. He has taken over that Friday role and always given Georgia Southern a chance to win. He's been able to work five innings. He does struggle with his command a little bit, especially in the first inning, but once he settles in, he is, he's been tough to manage and tie with his four-pitch mix. He is, the fact that he is simply pitching after getting hit by that line drive is a small miracle, and he is somebody the team has really gravitated to and really rallied around, and that's been one of the major storylines this year, simply him coming back to pitch, period. So I'm flipping through the batting and pitching statistics, Danny, and I'm noticing that Jalen Payton is in, is in both categories. Yeah. Is he pulling like a Shohei Otani? Uh, I don't think anybody could do that, but he has been asked to play some defense a little bit. Jesse Sherrill missed four games earlier this year when he got hit by a pitch, but he's back. He is fine now. So Jalen was playing a little bit of second base. He has made a couple of starts as a designated hitter as well when Noah Searcy was out of the lineup. And that's an instance of, about, I would say, about the first three, maybe month of the season, the lineup was so inconsistent because one guy was out, another guy was out, another guy was out. But the last two weeks, guys are recognizing those roles and they've been able to settle in. So Jalen hasn't gotten as many opportunities to hit. That doesn't mean that he can't. It just means that he has become such an important piece of that weekend rotation as that number one guy. 
where if he would hit, it would probably be a situation where they're just not comfortable using anybody else. But make no mistake, when it gets to the weekend, when the ball goes to him on Friday, he's all about ball. Chatting with Danny Reed, the voice of the Eagles. Let's talk about Rodney Hannon now. 754 wins at Georgia Southern, 30 plus wins, 20 or more, 20 of the 22 seasons. He's guided the Eagles to six regionals. You know, for for outsiders looking in, especially Cajuns fans, what does this guy do on a day to day basis that makes this program so special? He is the head coach of the Eagles on a day-to-day basis. He shows up, he does his job, he brings the same intensity, he brings the same energy that he brought when he was hired back in the summer of 1999. There is a reason why the the baseball program at Georgia Southern is the most consistent program since it was created, and there's been so much success with Ron Polk leading the team to the College World Series in 1973, Jack Stallings doing it in 1990, and now with Coach Hannon since the year 2000, he he's been able to establish consistency by he, he's a very unorthodox guy with the way that the bullpen operates sometimes the way some guys get used and the way that the end of the games get decided sometimes great you can't have you, you can't bank on having a Nick Jones or a Landon Hughes every year so it can be a little bit mix and match at the end of the bullpen but he's had a lot of success using younger guys at the end of the rotation throughout his career Midweek guys become weekend guys with with about a year's worth of experience, and it, it's just it's a simple formula. You better be able to bunt. You better be able to move runners over. You got to be aggressive late in counts. And his teams have always been good scoring runs after two outs. And this year is the best that I've ever seen. It, about half of Georgia Southern's runs are coming after two outs, and it's just a mentality that he brings to the field every single day. That's fantastic, Danny Reed, the voice of the Eagles, has been our guest. Danny, I appreciate you taking the time. Hope you and the Eagles enjoy Lafayette, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line, my friend. You got it, boys. Thanks very much. We'll take a time out. When we come back, Leah Van from The Advocate in Baton Rouge will join us to get you set up for LSU and Auburn, Battle of the Tigers, the Bengals and War Eagle. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 31st, 1996. In the first time in Major League Baseball history, the regular season opens in the month of March as the Seattle Mariners beat the Chicago White Sox 3-2 in 12 innings at the Kingdome in Seattle. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Cycle Zodigo is a festival on wheels. Experience mouth-watering Cajun cuisine and live performances by some of the best bands in Louisiana. The ride, which will take place April 20th to 24th, includes tours of many attractions and options for camping and staying in hotels. Immerse yourself in Acadia, the birthplace of Zodico, home to both Cajuns and Creoles alike, and one of the most unique cultures in the United States. For more information, visit CycleZodico.org. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys. Mesh here on the game. Let's get you set up for LSU and Auburn, which you will hear right here on this station. Leah Van from The Advocate in Baton Rouge joins us this evening. Leah, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm a little busy. How are you? I'm doing very well. I won't keep you long, I promise. Looking at this game, it's always 
it's always fun to open up an SEC series, especially in the box. And these seem to be two pretty evenly matched teams. What can you tell me about the matchup? Yeah, so it seems like Auburn is, a super, again, kind of like LSU's like twin in the sense that like it has a really solidified offense, some big sluggers. Like, I think Sonny is their number one guy, and he's been leading the SEC in a lot of the batting categories, I think, um, including batting average. And, um, you know, LSU equally as productive at bat, and both teams are actually trying to find their pitching identities. So, I think that's really interesting. Um, you know, we've got two guys at the mound tonight who are have been starting this year, but in the past have not. You know, Hayden Mullins did not start last year for Auburn, and Blake Money didn't start as much last year for LSU. So both have been kind of getting that time this year. And um, But Mullins did a little bit better against A&M um, than Money. He only – I think he only gave up uh, – he was credited with the win. He only allowed one run and striking out – five guys on four hits, whereas, as we know, like Money struggled a little bit more against Texas A&M. He was coming off that wrist injury. And so I think, you know, both of them are trying to find their identity on the mound, and then both of them are really productive at bat and kind of relying on their offenses to win games. You know, you mentioned Blake Money and his wrist injury. Has he, you know, returned to his former self? Can, can Tiger fans expect him to be back to 100%? I mean, I don't think he'd be playing if he wasn't 100% or if he didn't feel like he was up to par on his, you know, on his part. Um, but I do think that he has struggled in the past two games. And, you know, we saw him against Florida, you know, earned like six runs on seven hits, only struck out three, which is not really how much, how like he's been dominating in the past. And, um, you know, I think the tougher competition has really tested him a little bit. Um, but I also don't know if that is maybe because of his wrist injury that he had against Beth and Cookman. So I think I'm interested to see how he performs against Auburn. Of course, Auburn's got like a ton of tough hitters up at the top of the lineup, and it's not just Sonny, it's also Blake. And um, I think that, you know, that's going to be a real challenge for him. And on the other side of the, on the other side of things, you know, Hayden Mullins is a left-handed pitcher, and as we all know, or have, if you look at the numbers, LSU has struggled against a lot of the left-handed pitchers they face, at least starting left-handed pitchers. You know, they did end up hitting up Philip Abner and uh, Tim Manning last week against Florida. So I'm interested to see um, how LSU matches up with Hayden Mullins, and I'm interested to see how Blake Money um, is able to deal with this lineup that Auburn's got. Chatting with Leah Van from the Advocate in Baton Rouge, Leah. Looking at the hitting statistics for LSU, Cade Doty has obviously been the the leader hitting 365, Dylan Cruz at 353, Jacob Berry at 343. But lately, Braden Jobert in the designated hitter spot has, has really come along up to 329 for his batting average, nine home runs, 36 RBIs. And if I'm if I'm correct, five of those home runs have been in the last, you know, five days. Um is yeah. is, is any baseball safe from Braden Jobert right now? No, I think he's on a hot streak, you know, and I think what he said, he was telling us that he did work a little bit on shortening his stroke and getting his foot down a little bit earlier. And for him, like timing isn't a huge issue because he's able to keep his, he can kind of keep his bat in the zone for a while and he has so much power and so much speed. But, um, you know, he said it really was just about getting that timing right. And for a few games, he was a little bit off. And I wrote about that in my last game story. So, now he's kind of gotten it. It's clicked, and it's clicking against everybody. 
So, um, you know, he had a, I think he tied a school record the other night of seven RBIs in a single game. You know, he didn't just knock the home runs. He also had like a double for a couple of RBIs too. I mean, he's getting those extra base hits in addition to, you know, the big home run bombs. And I think I wrote today that I think four of his five home runs were for like three RBIs each, um, or at least more than two RBIs each. So, He's really, like, cashing in everybody else who's on base, and I think that's why you see him kind of in the middle, back end of the lineup, because he comes in and he's, you know, driving home everybody else who already got on base at the top of the lineup. So um, Jay talked a lot about having those left-handed band-like batters kind of scattered throughout the lineup and during his radio show on Monday, and I think it's it's really working for the Tigers right now. Talk to me about Alex Malazzo. Where is he at in his his recovery? When can Tigers fans expect him to be back in the lineup? So yeah, I mean he did take one at bat on Tuesday night, and he has he did tell me the other I think it was yesterday that he has been catching in the bullpen a little bit at practice, and I have not checked today's lineup, and so I apologize. Um, but I think he could be back this weekend, um, especially since we did see him at bat the other night. I don't know if he'll be catching. He could be catching, but yeah, so far everything's looking good. It looks like he's healing on time. It's just a matter of how he feels, and I think that's what's really important is if he's not feeling 100%, I don't think he'll want to play because obviously you want to make sure you have him down the road. Yeah, no, no question about it. Leah, before I let you run, from a from an outsider media perspective, what, what are your expectations for the matchup between the Bayou Bengals and War Eagle? Uh, um. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be a riot. I mean, I think what's going to be tough for me is like the Tigers versus the Tigers. It's kind of annoying. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they'll sure they'll have a good time. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt about it, Lee. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, enjoy covering the games this weekend. Bye, Leah Van of the Advocate in Baton Rouge. Let's take a quick update and check out our poll question of the day. What's your favorite sitcom of all time? So far, 21% of you say The Big Bang Theory, 21% of you say Friends, and 43% say The Office. And then I have 14% of people that have said Other, and for some reason I'm not seeing the comments. I I don't see the comments on the poll question. Oh, here we go. I found them. I found them. Ton brings in a gif, and it is from Cheers. It is a dog-eat-dog world, and I'm wearing milk-bone underwear. Well, I don't know what to say about that. James, have you seen Cheers? We discussed this. <laughs> Talked about this yesterday. We discussed Cheers? Yeah, you that, you had mentioned that, and I was like, all those shows, I, I've only heard of one of them, and Cheers was not one of them. Wow. You're uncultured. God, I'm such a swine. You're you uncultured swine. Oh my god, that's too funny. Um again, LSU playing Auburn at Alex Box Stadium this weekend. We will have the games for you here on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles tonight at 6, tomorrow at 6:30, and then Saturday at 1 p.m. Let's take a time out right here, and when we come back, we'll talk some Saints. We'll talk. We'll check in with LSU softball, and then we'll take you out to Baton Rouge. 
for the Tigers and the Tigers. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Acadiana Po' Boy Festival returns this Saturday at Parc Sans Souci in downtown Lafayette. There will be over 25 vendors selling some of the best po' boys Acadiana has to offer, in addition to the great eats and the po' boy eating contest. There will also be refreshing beverages, unique and one-of-a-kind arts and crafts, activities for the kids, and live entertainment featuring Keith Frank, Gerald Grugging, and Gently Zadiko, and more. For more info, go visit AcadianaPoleBoyFestival.com. Gentilly Zydeco, by the way. I went for it on the fly. Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco. If you don't follow Gerald, so he works for uh, Caleb Y. And they have a Acadiana Eats like thing. So basically what he does is he goes to like mom and pop shops around Acadiana and tries their food. Dude, his TikTok channel is hilarious it's great uh welcome back to crunch time with me guys and mesh here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles a new comment came in on the poll question darren francis says martin and that is the classic sitcom with martin lawrence you know i forget or yeah i forget just how many great sitcoms that there have been in the world. I mean there there's hundreds of them. There there there's classics everywhere you look. A uh, couple updates Efton Reed LSU LSU forward has entered the transfer portal. Kim Mulkey has been named the AP Women's Coach of the Year. Uh, no surprise there. James, are you surprised? No, I expected this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going from 9 to 13, 9 and 13 to 26 and 4. I mean, come on, how are you not the, the, the national coach of the year? LSU is also, like James mentioned in his two minute drill, two more players will go to the transfer portal. You know, Looking at their roster, other than the guy that has transferred in from Northwestern State, Coleman, and then Justice Hill coming in from Murray State with Matt McMahon, they're kind of struggling to uh, to keep guys on their roster, which is, I mean, is to be expected with the coaching staff turnover. But I just feel like they're losing a lot more guys than than most people. Most teams would in the past. Also, a development from Raging Cajuns basketball. Two developments, actually. Trajan Wesley has entered his name into the transfer portal. And then here is a letter from Theo Akuba that reads like this, and I quote, By the grace of God, the love of my parents, the trust of my teammates and coaches, and the incredible support of the students, I have had the opportunity of a lifetime. 
I want to thank everyone who has played a part in helping me become the player and man I am today. From the coaching staff to the fans, you guys have made it an incredible journey. Playing at the Cajun Dome and representing UL has brought me incredible pride and great humility. I have thought long and hard about this decision with the help of my family and support staff, and I am confident this is the right move for me. With that being said, I will maintain my final year of eligibility and go through the NBA draft process. Playing professional basketball has always been my life's dream. End quote. James, could you see Theo Akuba balling in the association? Ooh. Mm, he didn't dominate. If... I, I would feel more com- I would feel more confident that Jordan Brown would be the one to make it to the league more than Theo, but that's just me. Well, I mean, no, you're you're not wrong. I mean, Theo was Defensive Player of the Year a year ago. Um, for his career at Louisiana, he is averaging eleven point three points and nine point three rebounds, so nearly a double double a game at in his time at Louisiana. Theo's going to be one of those players where I, I don't think he makes it to the NBA right now. I think he will return for his senior season, and then I think he's going to have to go overseas to play professionally. And then maybe, you know, down the line, an NBA spot could come. But, I mean, let's be totally honest. If you look at Raging Cajun players to make it to the NBA, how many can you think of? Three? Four, maybe five. All time? Yeah. Byron Starks, Bo Lamar, or no, Andrew Tony, Alfred Payton, Sean Long, and then if you want to count the G League, Jakeen and Gant, and Jay Wright. So that's six that I can think of. If anybody else knows more than than I do uh, 7060111 would love to hear your input on that again it's it's going to be one of those things where I, I think he's going to have to find himself from a overseas standpoint before he is able to move on to the NBA I'm on Twitter and Cornelius Williams has announced his commitment to LSU. It says, blessed to say I'm committed to Louisiana State University to continue my academic and basketball career. I'd like to thank God, my family, and my coaches for all the support. So for every, every it seems like every two guys LSU loses to get one back. Once again, game hotline 706 Zero one one one. If you want to chime in on today's show, we're about twenty minutes away from bringing you out to Baton Rouge for LSU and Auburn. We'll have LSU and Auburn tomorrow as well, and then March Madness this weekend here on the game. One hundred thirty-seven Lafayette, one hundred four-one Lake Charles. Let's go to the hotline now. Mike joins the show. Good afternoon, Mike. What's going on? Okay, I think I can answer your question about additional Cajun players who played in the NBA or ABA, which was he called it NBA back in the 
70s. And that is, on the Baltimore team of the late 60s, early 70s, there was a guy named Fred Saunders who actually played with the, uh, the Suns and actually was considered for some all-defensive teams. And then he played for the Celtics as well. He was sort of the, the glue-do-everything, sort of a Draymond Green type of guy for the uh, Bulldogs back then, you know, when the, when the team was ranked in the top 20. There was also another guy on that team named Roy Eron, who was probably Roy maybe Ebron, the best yeah. big man in the history in the history of the school. He played in the ABA, uh, I think with the Utah team. Uh, of course, Baltimore played with the uh, San Diego Conquistadors of the ABA, and his last couple of years he played for the Lakers in the NBA. You know, at one time both scored 50 points in an ABA game. Really? So, you know, the game, yeah, that game was back, different back then. He actually was considered almost one rookie of the year. Yeah, I think he barely lost out. And I, and, uh, I don't think Byron Starks played in the, in the NBA. He may have played in uh, some uh, overseas. There are a multitude of Cajun players who have played overseas. There's too many to, and gotten paid for it. Those are too many to mention. You know, I guess the G League, is, I guess, is more like the uh, thing. And as far as your comment on Theo Cooper, great uh, perception. I agree with you 100%. I think he'll be back for his uh, final year. Hopefully it's at UL. You know, he could always in a transfer portal, but his letter doesn't indicate anything like that. If you know, there's a guy I think at LSU is doing the same. If you indicate that you're good for the draft and you maintain your ability to come to school, that only allows the guys and the uh, pros to actually evaluate your rank, you give you uh, grades, you go to some of the camps and things like that. So uh, I agree with you 100%. I expect him to be back in college because his offensive game is not diverse enough to translate uh, the NBA, maybe in the G League. I think he could make a good living playing in Europe, however. Yeah, and, uh, uh, and absolutely. As far as, as, as Tra- Trajan Wesley is concerned, that's no surprise to me because I know they're looking for uh, another point guard in spring recruiting. And if that happens and they get somebody they like, you know, Trajan might become the third option because by the end of the season he was actually second strength to Michael Thomas. So that uh, him moving on was no surprise. And um, interesting um, analysis on Dio. I agree with you. Good job there. That's it. We'll talk to you later. Appreciate the call, Mike. And uh, I-, I will correct myself. Byron Starks did not play in the NBA. I could have sworn he had uh, one year of playing professional ball in the Netherlands uh, before returning to the States to begin his coaching career. Let's quickly go back to some NBA, not NBA. Well, yeah, let's talk NBA. James Pelicans played last night, 117 to 107 over the Portland Trailblazers. CJ McCollum, 25 points in his return to Portland. And I heard that he got a 90 second standing ovation. You think Portland was uh, was sad to let a guy like that go? Yeah, definitely. The Portland Trailblazer fans were definitely upset that they lost one of their dynamic duo. Looking at the box score for this one, Brandon Ingram, 19.6 assists, 6 rebounds. Jonas Valanciunas, 19 and 11. McCollum, 25, 3 and 4. Trey Murphy pouring in 10 off the bench. And the leader last night for the Trailblazers was Eubanks with 21 and 9, Williams with 10 and 10, and then Ben McLemore off the bench with 16 and 2. The Pelicans with the win improved to 33 and 43, while the Trailblazers dropped to 27 and 49 on the year. If you look at the NBA standings, Again, it's it's getting they're getting down to the wire 
and the Pelicans are holding strong in the ninth spot. They're four games out of eighth place with the Clippers. They do play the Clippers this weekend. But the the key factor is going to be they play the Lakers tomorrow night. The Lakers are hanging on to that 10th spot by a thread. They have a half-game lead over the Spurs right now. If the Lakers can find a way to win that game, or the Pelicans can find a way to win that game, excuse me, they might end the Lakers' chances at the playoffs. And how sweet would that be to keep Anthony Street Close Davis out of the play-in tournament? Let's go back to the game hotline. Blake joins the show. Blake, good afternoon, man. How are you? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Appreciate you taking my call. Uh, I graduated from UO with my undergraduate, well, as my master's degree in the late 80s and early 90s consecutively. And the player that was always stood out that probably may be the highest drafted Cajun player was Kevin Brooks, who was drafted by the Denver Nuggets, I believe the 18th overall in the first round. So I think he had a three-year career in the NBA shuffled around in the uh, other leagues, probably played 15 years total basketball professionally, and uh, represented the university well. What was that guy's name again? Kevin Brooks. Kevin Brooks, yeah. I've, I've heard of him. Big power um, forward. Yeah. Or maybe small forward. But, you know, he, he was at the time, I believe, with Marty Fletcher's teams and did extremely well and was drafted probably, if I'm not mistaken, the highest Cajun draftee in basketball of all time. So, actually – if you're looking at, at Cajuns drafted, he's going to be third or fourth highest. Okay. Um, Andrew Tony was drafted eighth overall in 1980. Okay. And then uh, Alfred Payton was drafted 10th overall in 2014. Well, excellent. I appreciate the education and keeping me updated with uh, recent draft choices. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Have, have a good one, my friend. Thanks, Blake. Appreciate the call. I'm ready for UL to return to that. You know, I'm I'm ready for UL to return to consistently putting good players into the next level. That 2014 team that won the Sun Belt went to the NCAA tournament was a blast. You put two guys in the NBA from that team. One of them didn't stay in the NBA very long, but both Alfred Payton and Sean Long went to the association, and now Sean Long is winning MVP after MVP overseas. And Alfred is still kicking it in the league with the Phoenix Suns. The best team in the NBA right now. Let's take one last time out, and when we come back, we'll wrap up today's show, get you set up for tomorrow. We'll take you out to the box for the Tigers and War Eagle here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
One of the things I love about betting on my favorite sports is that I'm always finding new player props or game props I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine props from multiple games and now even multiple sports. It's called Same Game Parlay Plus and you can only find them on FanDuel. Combine NBA player props you love with your favorite NHL scores for a chance to score an even bigger payout. Check out this one parlay. It's got Joel Embiid, Donovan Mitchell, Russell Westbrook, Cade Cunningham, KD, PG, Darius Garland, and DeMar DeRozan to all at least score 20 points tonight. If you don't want to build your own same game parlay, check out their popular same game parlay section where you can join the bets other users are jumping on. Earlier this season, over 14,000 customers won over $1.1 million during the Bucks at Lakers game. And if you're new to FanDuel, sign up with promo code KLWB to get $150 in site credit guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Make every moment more and download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Just use promo code KLWB so they know that I sent you. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issues non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. We've got about three minutes left before we get out of here. Poll question. Favorite sitcom of all time? 19% of you say The Big Bang Theory. 25% of you say Friends. 38% of you say The Office. we got a new comment in. MASH. MASH. I forgot about MASH. That's, that's before my time. So I, my, my dad loves MASH. I've, I've seen MASH. MASH is good. But I just, when I think of sitcoms, I think of more, you know, post-1997. Just because that's my age bracket, right? Um, but yeah, no, MASH, like Jay said, All in the Family. Sitcoms are, are, are a dime a dozen, and they are, they're all fantastic. Tomorrow's show will recap LSU and Auburn Game 1. We'll do a more in-depth preview of March Madness. We'll talk some Saints news because I'm sure that there will be some in the next 24 hours. We'll take your phone calls, as always, 706-0111. And we'll get you set up for the Cajuns and the Eagles tomorrow night at Russo Park. 6 o'clock first pitch on Friday, 4 o'clock on Saturday, and it'll be 11.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. If you're a wrestling fan, WrestleMania is this weekend. It's the most stupendous two-night WrestleMania ever. I love how they're bragging about a, you know, the best two-night WrestleMania ever. They've only been doing two-night WrestleManias for two years now. But, you know, it's the best ever. Uh, your y- y- boy, the second wrestling aficionado here besides Clint Doming, uh, will bring you a write-up of what goes down at WrestleMania on the website, 1037thegame.com, this week. And we're going to start doing a fun blog segment, getting to know the members of the game. James, who is your celebrity crush? Well, I can't give it away. Oh, you're not you going to go. Him, you have not, to go read it. You you're not going to go, give them. You're not going to give them a taste to tease them in. No. Okay. No. Wow. I, I I want you to go read it, 
and enjoy it for yourselves. James Mesh, everybody. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crunch Time with me, Gaz, and Mesh. Thanks to River Gibson of Lovers. Thanks to Jay Walker. Thanks to Danny Reed. Thanks to Leah Van. Thanks to you, the callers, for hanging out with us. Thank you to James Mesh, the producer extraordinaire. Be safe. Be well. Hug your mom and them. We'll talk to y'all tomorrow for the Friday Fun Show here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. See y'all tomorrow.